0: everyone i'm tony dungeon master for DD raw
1: i'm nick i'm playing tor a level 5 dwarven inquisitive rogue
0: and we would both like to welcome you to orenthal Now for this special episode of Orenthal, we'll be following Just Tor as he goes to meet with the mysterious Bayagosto. Last time, we found the party in the Granger Tavern as they met with Captain Marsk and kept her and the royal wizard, Thamir Nilo, somewhat informed about the events concerning the disappearances, though the royal wizard left a bad taste in everyone's mouth, with Sildan even realizing that the hag... The party may be chasing was one that Thamior was personally familiar with. As the party began to decipher the documents they had recovered, they learned that the Whispered Ones may be attempting to control one of the members of the delegation in order to attempt an assassination of some sort. Meanwhile, Saria discovered the location of her former trainer Fulmer and learned that some of the pages that they had collected contained psychic imprints. Before the party could delve any deeper into the mystery, however, more questions arose. As a strange, tiny creature entered the room, the creature claimed that he was a quickling and his name was Firo. Firo then said that he was here to collect Tor for a special meeting with Bayagosto so that they could make some sort of deal. We will jump right in as you are proceeding down the stairs as you initially told Firo to just stop saying slow, slow, slow over and over again and him turning back to look at you as you see his lips moving and hear a whining sound, but you can't actually understand anything he's saying, almost as if it's too fast for your brain to actually pick up. From there, he turns around and continues to proceed down the wooden steps of the tavern, and as he gets to the very base of the steps, you see he kind of peeks around the corner really quickly. He seems to be just looking around really quickly before he disappears from your sight, and as you... Look up, you see he's by the front door, kind of crouching down, staying a little bit hidden. But he just looks back at you.
1: He's crouching down, hiding. Is there cover where Tor can take?
0: There's a bunch of tables throughout the tavern. And as you kind of look around, you see there's not really many people in the tavern right now. Just a few. It seems like some people are just starting to wake up. Or if people have woken up, they've already gone out into the streets to enjoy the beginnings of the celebration for the day. Firo kind of like looks at you and and gestures like come on, but you can get the impression this is because of your insight being as high as it is that he's hiding for his sake, not that you need to.
1: Okay, all right then he'll he'll follow.
0: Okay, you approach the door and as you do, he kind of gestures up and you see he can't quite reach the handle. <laughs>
1: He'll purposefully pause for a moment, his hand just before the handle, and then he'll turn it and open the door.
0: In that span of pausing, there's a moment where you see a few of the patrons of the tavern kind of like look around as there's some rapid light thumping sound. And you can see his foot just tapping the floor at a blurring speed and realize what he's doing is it just stops as he waits for you to just open the door. He smirks. As you do, you open the door and you see he quickly rushes out I'm assuming you follow right behind?
1: Yep, fast as he can.
0: Okay. You step out quickly, turn and close the door, and the first thing that hits you as you close the door is the sound that's in the street is gone. There's no noise. You turn and look, and you're in a 20 by 20 foot wooden room, and you see a door at the other end.
1: He's going to perceive the room to see if there's any other features about the room. Go ahead. 29.
0: All right. So looking around the room, the wood is, it's very well crafted. That's one of the first things you know being a dwarf, you would be much more focused on stone and crafting of that as that's what most dwarves, particularly mountain dwarves would do and something they take a lot of pride in. But even looking at this, it is immaculately crafted. Each plank of wood seems to fit perfectly with the one above and below it. And even on the floor, the ones beside to side seem to just mesh into a near perfectly smooth form you look around and it seems almost too perfect but other than that it looks like essentially a wooden box of course perceiving as you're looking around you look behind you and the door you closed is gone it is just wall Hmm.
1: all right it's gonna raise a brow at this but seeing that there is only one path he will go up to the door he's putting his ear to it for any noise
0: Okay. I'll allow you to keep your perception check for this. You go and put your ear to the door and listen in, and you hear someone in the other room. You hear the shuffling of feet, kind of heavy footprints, and just a couple of items being rustled around. You get the impression whoever it is is sitting at some sort of table or desk, because the sounds are actually coming from, not from the floor itself, but up off the ground, and it sounds like they're shuffling back and forth between a couple of different things. He's going to knock. You do, and the shuffling sound stops, and you hear, Hey, who's there? It's me, Tor. There's a very long pause, and the door opens suddenly by itself and swings away from you inward, and a very small hallway that connects your room to the next one can be seen, and you see a desk with several papers on it, scattered about, and standing behind the desk is a dwarf a dwarf you have seen before pale-faced thick black beard missing a pinky on one hand you had killed this supposed dwarf you see before you trabone and he is staring at you in what seems to be a look of sheer terror
1: tor is surprised to say the least. Just a moment of pure shock, frozen, standing there.
0: I, uh, uh, Rurik, I, you also noticed, like for that moment of tunnel vision that you had, you focused entirely on the fact that Trabone is there, alive. It takes you another moment to realize no one opened the door. It just opened. Trabone is not close enough to have done it, standing nearly 20 feet from you, but he seems almost frozen in utter terror, staring at you. As he slowly backs up, you see just behind him another smooth wooden wall, and he bumps into it as he kind of presses his hands against it. I, I uh, uh, I, uh... With his ring of
1: telekinesis, he closes the door.
0: You step through? Yes. Step through, and you just have your hand back as you step into this second room. Closing the door behind you, you hear with a click as it... Locks into place essentially. Stepping into this new room, you see the simple wooden table, again, kind of immaculately designed, several small papers. looks like letters for the most part, kind of scattered across the table. And stepping into this room, you see again what appears to be a doorless windowless room. You're able to see as it is because having dark vision, you can see within darkness and you see shapes and all that and uh, shades of gray. and you see Trabone just almost hugging the back wall.
1: So, you had a job to do, and you did it. Uh, I,
0: it, it was a job, uh, Rurik. I, I took care of things. Uh, my, my apologies, but you know how it was when, when you stole when you needed to? You, you had your own jobs to do?
1: I left that behind me, and now I have a job to do.
0: He kind of starts to back away. He's trying to keep the table, it seems, between you and him. I what 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 job might that be, Rurik? Uh, uh, <laughs> can I can I help you in any way?
1: That's a good question. Tell me all that you know about the Whispered Ones and the job that you were given to take my research.
0: I, I, he leans I, I don't know much. over
1: the table as best he can, assuming this is a dwarven-sized table.
0: Yeah, it actually seems uh, perfectly height for a dwarf. So you kind of lean over the table. He tries to kind of lean back. You hear the slight thunk of his head, like, kind of tap the wall behind him as he realizes he can't get any farther from you. Between the table and where he is is only about ten feet.
1: And while you're at it, where are we?
0: I, I don't know. I I found myself here and I was told that I would get another job and and then you walk in. I, uh, I, I don't... I don't know much about these whispered ones. I just, I got a job, and I did a job.
1: Didn't we, um, hmm. How do I put this? Didn't we already kill you?
0: Uh, he looks down at his body and starts to kind of press his hands to his tunic and his legs a little bit. Not as far as I know.
1: He's going to do an arcana check for any illusions in this area. That would be investigation. Fourteen.
0: Okay. Looking around, studying the area.
1: Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Ten, not fourteen.
0: Oh. Studying the area, you kind of, again, he keeps staying as far as he can from you, trying to keep the table between you and him. You're trying to search the area. The walls seem real enough. The table seems real enough. You can't get any read on whether or not Trabone is real or an illusion. As far as you can tell, seems real. He's talking. There's even like that (laughs) you would know very well. There's a muskiness that dwarves tend to have that you can smell off of him. Everything here seems real, but your mind is also telling you, you killed him.
1: And also, this room shouldn't exist as it stands with doors disappearing and things of that nature.
0: Yeah, basically. I I don't. I don't know what you want from me. I took your research. I'm I'm sorry. I know I know you must know. Otherwise, why would you why would you be here? Why would she set me up like that? But I'm uh and you see he kind of like reaches behind his back a little bit and you hear a shink as he pulls a small dagger and kind of holds it up defensively. She. She?
1: You must mean by Agosto. I. who do you think gave me the job? Hmm. Interesting. He'll also pull, pull out his dagger, but he's just kind of playing with it a bit. Not really doing anything necessarily aggressive with it.
0: I listen, uh Rurik, I'm I, I'm sorry, it's all I can tell you is I was to take your research and drop off these papers, and that's it.
1: He does look to the papers briefly. Do they seem familiar?
0: You look down and you see what seem to be letters, but there's nothing written on them.
1: Hmm. Remembering the kind of weird psionic imprints on some of the other papers he does reach out momentarily to touch one
0: okay as you do you reach out and place a hand and being a little bit more prepared remembering what saria had told you about the psionic energies on the paper you reach out and place a hand on one and as you do you catch a scene of trabone sneaking into what looks to be your study and grabbing a stack of papers out of your desk, picking the lock, taking everything out, and he pulls out another bundle of papers, looking very similar to the one he just took, and slips it in, closes it, and resets the lock before he leaves. As your vision comes to, you hear a constant rattling sound, a click-click-click, and you look up and see Trabone had rushed over to the door that you had come in from and seems to be like trying to open it, but it's not moving.
1: I think I'm beginning to see.
0: You hear a voice behind you. If you kill him, you may learn more.
1: I knew it. You were just seeing what I would do. He doesn't even turn around.
0: Will you allow the thief to leave?
1: I'd prefer to arrest him. Won't you come with me, Shrabone?
0: You have two options here. You can either take back what he took from you. He will never give it to you by choice. It is on his person. You will need to take it from him by force or allow him to go. Those are your options, Tor.
1: He'll pull out his crossbow and aim it at, at Trabone. Halt. Now.
0: He freezes. Uh Rurik, I I don't know what you want from me. Uh (laughs) She says you
1: have it on your person.
0: Correct? I I don't I don't have anything on me.
1: Then one of you is lying.
0: I don't I I don't know what to say. I don't have anything on me. I it's just my clothes and my dagger. Insight. Go ahead. Twenty. He's lying. Does
1: he have the door open, or is he just trying to open it?
0: He had been trying to open it, and you saw him struggling to do so, but it would not open. You hear the voice behind you again. You must make your choice, Tor.
1: I call it a false choice, by. And he'll start walking up to his good friend here, and he's preparing an action in case of any hostility.
0: Trabone is holding up his dagger in a defensive position as you approach.
1: Put down the dagger, and I won't hurt you. That's a promise.
0: I don't believe you. Why else would you be here? I, I took what you what you most prized. You got kicked out of your clan for what I took. Why, why would you let me live? And the dagger kind of like is shaking in his hand as he points it at you.
1: I find I can do more damage to my enemies working within the system than outside of it. You'll pay for what you've done, but not here.
0: You'd let me live?
1: Sure. Don't know about what'll happen at the trial, but why don't you put that put the dagger down there? And he'll roll persuasion.
0: Yeah, go for it.
1: That's a 20 on the die, so 21.
0: Ooh. The dagger stops shaking, and all fear leaves his face as the knife just falls to the floor. You hear from his mouth, So you've made your choice. And he vanishes.
1: He whirls around. Is By still there?
0: No, but a door has on the back wall that wasn't there before.
1: And the door that Traban was trying to escape from, is that now gone?
0: Is now a wall.
1: So there's, again, only one exit to the room. Is it the way that he came in originally? Does it seem like the same door? No, it's
0: essentially on the opposite side of the room. The door looks exactly the same as the one you had initially entered from, but... It's on the opposite side of the room from where you entered.
1: He takes a moment to think this through. It seems like he's being tested, and he's trying to figure out why.
0: As you take those few moments, you hear again a voice as if it's right behind you say, Yes, Tor. You are being tested. You trust your knowledge. You trust your memories yet they have betrayed you in the past. You think you gave me a silver, yet it is in your pocket. You believe you were banished from your clan because your research was simply stolen. If you want to know more, proceed. I am here to show you what you believe may not be the case.
1: His... This clench and start to shake at that last little bit about his banishment and the circumstances thereof he'll uh he'll th- throw open the door at this point physically this yeah. time not not with the ring.
0: you proceed forward and slam the door open, and as you do, you step through and you find yourself in a dark cavern torches actually lining the walls and you see a large table in front of you, all crafted of stone. And seated behind this table, on the opposite side, you see seven of the elders of the various clans of the Thestun kingdom. And seated directly across from where you're standing, you see the elder of your clan, Garam Meldwal. An older dwarf, long, thick gray beard. He kind of has it, just continues downward below the table. His head is bald, otherwise. The only thing hair-wise has is this long, thick gray beard. His eyes are... His sight itself is, is beginning to go. He's got scars all across his his face from various battles that he was in in his youth. And right in front of you is a stack of papers. And after you kind of step in and pause for a moment, you hear from Garam, Sodorick. What is it you want to present to us? He freezes up again.
1: C- Garam, could you repeat that?
0: I, You claim to have information that could help us in this war. What is it you wanted to present to us? He sees the papers on the table. Are they the research,
1: or at least one version of the research? You look down, and they are blank. He walks up to the table, and again, touches the paper.
0: This time, as you do, nothing happens.
1: And in a continued motion, he picks the paper
0: up. As you do, you kind of pick it up, and you see several papers all stacked on top of each other. It's very neatly stacked, but as you do, you kind of see page after page after page of nothing. And after a few moments, all right, Roderick, we've given this enough time. You've gathered the clan elders. You claim to have something important to tell us. What did you want to tell us? And even as he speaks, you recall just almost hating this dwarf, this particular elder. He never seemed to believe in you. You remember a hatred of him. Think of you as a thief the whole time, even during your research. He thought so little of you, and this hatred starts to kind of boil up in you, as you recall, this past with Garum.
1: He tries desperately to remember something, anything more about this.
0: Make an intelligence check. A check this time. Fifteen. Okay. You think back, and you focus, and you feel the pain again. But this time, as you begin to feel the pain, you hear... Bai's voice again just interject, I will soothe it this time, little dwarf. And you can still feel the pain. It's almost like on the edges of your senses right now. It seems as if it's outside of you more than, than within as you push through a little farther. And now you are standing next to yourself. You see yourself looking at the blank pages and you look up at your clan elders and you can hear yourself arguing that it was stolen this isn't it this isn't your research no no this is not this is not what it's supposed to be it's it's not here what happened to it and you're you're getting louder and louder and you're starting to slam the papers down over and over the elders are screaming at you to what is wrong what is going on you see garum almost a smug expression on his face like he almost expected this of you and as you just slam them over and over again, one of the dwarves begin to come closer and you smack them in the face as you turn. And you turn towards Garum and just yell out, it was you! You did this to me! And you jump to the table and rush over to him. As you do, two of the dwarves try to grab you. You are struggling viciously to to get to Garum. But before you get to, you watch as... A large mace comes out of one of the dwarves' belts, and he smacks you across the back of the head, knocking you unconscious. And then everything fades in front of you. And you look up, and you're simply in the stone cavern. Torch is still lit, but the table and the dwarves in front of you are gone.
1: (laughs) And am I to believe a fairy tale from a fairy tale about my own past?
0: (laughs) Ah, it's so amusing when I'm called a fairy tale. I can assure you, little Tor, I am quite, quite real. You may believe whatever it is you wish. Tell me, though, do you know of a spell called polymorph? What do you know? Make an arcana check. 23. Yeah. You know polymorph. You know, it is the ability to cast upon someone or yourself and transform them into some form of creature of equivalent or lesser capabilities.
1: I believe that that is different from true polymorph,
0: right? Yes. And because of a 23, you would also know what that true polymorph actually has the ability to permanently change someone into that other creature, whereas polymorph does not.
1: It just makes them seem like it.
0: They're transformed, but it's temporary. True polymorph is permanent. Got it. Within a certain degree. If the individual ever drops to zero hit points under a normal true polymorph spell, they are reverted back into their original form. Part of the problem with any of the polymorph spells, however, is you gain the mental capabilities of the creature as well.
1: What are you trying to say?
0: Have you ever heard of an instance of true polymorph being used on anyone and a modified memory. Imagine what would happen, little dwarf, if someone was transformed into a dwarf and the moment of transformation was erased. Do you think that they would then always believe they were a dwarf? Would their mind fill in the gaps Would yours fill in the gaps of a memory that had been changed? What do you think would happen to the person?
1: That's a very interesting hypothetical. And in that scenario, I guess they'd believe
0: anything, wouldn't they?
1: But it is just a hypothetical.
0: It could be. It's amazing what memories can do to a person. If you lose them, you lose a part of who you are. If they are changed, so are you. I have learned this with many creatures over the, <laughs> over my time. But come, I've learned what you are willing to do. I think now it's time that we meet, don't you? He's...
1: Going to roll an insight check on, oh, I don't know, everything.
0: (laughs) Go ahead. (sighs) 15. Okay. So looking around, at no point have you ever seen by in any of these images that you've been shown. Based off the voice, you feel you're right in assessing that you're being tested, that you're being a little bit poked and prodded to see what you are capable of. As well as you're not 100% sure, but she is showing you these images for a reason, potentially beyond just testing you. Other than that, you can't quite get a read on her. Hearing only her voice, it's difficult to get any sort of idea of intention beyond that.
1: But a reason beyond just testing, you said.
0: There is something else there.
1: Fine. Fine. Let's meet.
0: The wall before you seems to just fade, and a small stone door, perfectly dwarf-sized, appears. You're used to doing
1: things on your terms, aren't you? And I'll step through.
0: As you open the door, you see ahead of you what appears to be tunnel. As you step through, and the door closes behind you, in the split instant again, each time you've stepped through, as soon as the door closes and you blink, the whole scene around you changes, and you find yourself in tall green grass that is swaying with a heavy wind. The grass is almost chest height to you. Looking around, you find yourself in a massive forest, the trees nearly 30 feet across, just all around you, covering the sky above in the canopy. Looking out from left to right, you see It seems to be almost dusk as you stare back and forth. The trees themselves have an amazing, a dizzying array of color, of reds and blues and purples. But you don't see anyone else around you. And as you turn to look around and gather in your surroundings, you turn again behind you. And the massive tree that is right behind you has a large wooden door carved in its center Small openings for windows on its sides, uh, moving upward steadily. And you s- look and realize that this is some sort of massive home.
1: One that's totally unfamiliar.
0: You don't recognize anything here.
1: It seems, again, there's only one path forward, this
0: this door and the tree. You see the tree and door in front of you. But essentially behind you, while there is a massive amount of trees, you're in a heavily dense forest, you can proceed in any direction. But before you is the only structure you see. The only place that seems like it would house someone. He will go in. You step up, and as you step up to the door, it opens ahead of you. And you find yourself in a very cozy living room type area. There was a fireplace burning off into the corner and a small table set in front of it. You see a chair on one side as well as a cup of some sort of drink on the table. And on the other side, in some sort of rocking chair, just easing back and forth, you see the old figure, the milky white eyes of Bayagosto. In her hands, you see a similar cup, to the one that's on the table, and she's sipping from it. And as you step in, she just gestures towards the seat across from her.
1: He'll walk up to the table, stand next to the seat, and just stare, glaring directly into the milky-white eyes of Biagosto.
0: As soon as you step across the threshold, the door closes, and you step up to the seat, and there's a long pause before you hear, Tor, you should know, it's not polite to stare at a blind woman. He folds his arms.
1: Well, it's not polite to steal someone's memories, is it?
0: But it can be amusing, given the circumstances. Would you like some tea? And she just sips from her glass.
1: He makes a point of pushing the tea away from him, and there's just probably this scraping sound along the table as the cup is moved closer toward by.
0: You do, and you you push it forward. You hear the, the clanking as the, the cup kind of shifts across the wood. As it does, there is a blur of motion, and the cup disappears. Pharaoh's here, too. Of course. He came to get you. Well... You should learn some manners, dear Tor. It's always much better when negotiating to be polite about it.
1: This seems now. much less a negotiation than a set of demands just packaged up very nicely for me.
0: No, no, dear Tor. Where we are, it is very important to make agreements, not demands. Agreements? leads to a better, more profitable life for the both of us. Demands just get in the way. Now, of course, I wouldn't have called you here if you couldn't have given me something in exchange for your memories and your research. Another blur of motion appears, and before you, on the table, is a stack of papers. At the very top is written, Rurik Meldwall and the theory behind the Darakul. I wouldn't touch the papers this time if I were you, Little Tor. That is a powerful enchantment on them. Of my design. Would it kill me? No. But you may not remember anything beyond this day. I can remove it.
1: He barely even gives the papers a look. He just keeps his
0: gaze on by. She puts one hand towards the papers, and as her hand gets closer, you see what was plain parchment with some of your writing initially. Runes begin to glow, runes that you had not seen before across the parchment as her hand gets closer, and she moves her hand back, and you see the glow of the runes slowly fade again back into invisibility. Just as proof that it is there. I will happily remove it, and by doing so, break the enchantment that holds your memories at bay. You know I will want something in exchange. I am willing to listen to what you are willing to offer, but I have my own thoughts as well.
1: For one thing, I'm, I'm curious. Why the elaborate setup? Why send someone to steal my research,
0: steal away my memories? Why me? She actually, at this point, you see her put the tea down, and she leans in closer to you, kind of leaning across the table, the chair no longer rocking, and her milky white eyes seem to stare not directly at yours, but right around them. As she goes, that is the question, isn't it, Tor? Why you... What did you do that made you the focus of so much misery? For that, you'll have to ask the last people I made a deal with. I can only assume, based off of reading your documents, it was, as most intellectuals of your plane, quite long-winded. Quite boring in most parts, but the points that you eventually come to are rather interesting, and I believe it led you in a direction that the Whispered Ones did not want you to know about.
1: You're not going to bait me with petty insults. I'm not trying to
0: bait you. I am not trying to insult you, Tor. All people in the centuries I have been around... All of the so-called intellectuals wind up writing in such a long-winded manner before they get to the points that they intend to make. I don't know why. It's much simpler to simply write what they intend to write and explain it. But that is neither here nor there. Are you hungry at all? It's actually been quite some time since you've last eaten.
1: Does he have any of his equipment on him? Like,
0: Yeah, you're fully equipped.
1: Yeah, he'll pull out a ration. I'm fine. Thanks.
0: Uh, Such dried fruit from that realm. Uh, Very well, no matter. So, like I said, I am willing to offer the research and your memories. I will remove the incantation that is preventing you from accessing them.
1: Speaking of long-winded, what do you want from me?
0: Can't be good. Oh, I simply want a few things, and I'm willing to answer any of your questions that I can. I have had many deals with the Whispered Ones, one dealt with the research itself. They tend to like to use intermediaries for most of their things, but Ralyan and I have had a falling out. Does he recognize the name? You've never heard it before. Okay.
1: So... You're claiming to be a third party, independent of any other.
0: I will always be independent, little Tor. I am beyond such petty things. But the Whispered Ones have gone back on a deal they have made with me. I therefore hold no love for them. But I'm not simply going to give things away for free. That would not be very beneficial to me. I would like... First one agreement from your part in exchange for your research and memories. I would like you to kill Ralayan. A head job? He is your enemy as well. He plans something within the city itself?
1: Something, perhaps, tomorrow morning, thereabouts?
0: I sadly don't know the specifics of the plan. I had one final deal I had to make before we met. A deal with an elf that I believe the rest of your group has either taken care of or is currently doing so. The elf got what she requested. I allowed your allies to deal with her, hopefully drawing them closer to what they seek. But I knew you wished... And she points towards the research, a little more than the rest of your allies. Does she seem to be speaking of Antinois here? You don't get that impression.
1: So she's being purposefully cryptic.
0: You get the impression based off of your natural insight that this person, this elf, is seemingly unimportant to her, more than she's actually intentionally being cryptic.
1: Seemingly unimportant, you said? To her. To her. Okay. the The little one that was found in the is she elven? I'm trying to remember.
0: She's half elf.
1: Okay, got it. So, who's rallying? He is a
0: leader of this sect of the Whispered Ones. He is from beyond what you mortals can possibly comprehend. I am sure you have heard of different planes of existence. The
1: Shadowfell. Before.
0: The Shadowfell is a realm very close to the Material Plane. It is a plane filled with necrotic energies, a plane where elves once accidentally traveled to. And while there, they changed. Go on. Will you agree to eliminate Relyon? And she holds a hand out this time.
1: If Relion is, as you say and as someone who is plotting something against the city of Orenthal, then our interests align, don't they?
0: Raleon is attempting something within the city of Orenthal, something that will benefit him and no one else. It is not, as you would call it, good. I do not care one way or the other, other than the fact that I was betrayed by this Raleon. And he went back on a deal that we made, which is why I would like to make this deal with you. Eliminate him, and I will continue to answer your questions. I have two other requests for the remaining of your research and your memories. She's still holding her hand out, by the way.
1: This is a tentative agreement. Anything that you're lying about is null and void. He'll put out his hand as well.
0: She goes and clasps your hand. And there's a slight chill that runs through you for a moment and fades. And then she releases. Don't worry. I keep up my end of the deal and I have told you all that I have told you. If I do not keep up my end of the deal and what I have said, I will feel the repercussions of this deal. Whereas if you do not, you will.
1: More about where Relion came from. I mean, to summarize, is it... It sounds like it's somewhere beyond the Shadowfell.
0: Yes, dear. I won't get into specific details of the planes of existence. There are good. There are bad. There are in-between. There's law and order and chaos and anarchy. There is the Shadowfell, the Feywild, the Astral Plane... And more. Raleon is an entity that comes from beyond all of it.
1: Beyond any plane known to most.
0: Your little world is but one of many. Your world has only just recently touched upon the greater universe that exists around you. Raleon has decided to... Speed up this process for you. He is one of those that first brought the Darakul into your realm. He opened the gates.
1: If that is true, then there should be no problem here.
0: He is an aberration, dear.
1: And the deal that he did not honor...
0: Can you tell me more of that? Sadly, my part of the deal was to not speak of it. I honor my deals, dear. Even once they're broken? I am bound by certain laws, dear. He is not.
1: I assume you'll reach out to me when you need me next.
0: Well, that is the second thing I will request of you. All I ask is in a ten-day... Come back to the home in which you first saw me. I would like you to come back here, and that is the easiest way to do so. You will come alone, and you will be allowed to investigate creatures to your heart's content. Creatures the likes of which your world has never seen. She again holds out her hand.
1: I'll have to think on that one if you don't mind
0: you have until the end of our conversation dear this is your offer Uh. you will be (laughs) you will be able to study the mysteries of this universe study creatures and help to warn the people of your realm you'll be working for me to a certain extent but I am simply going to point you in the right direction after all I have brought you to a place that mortals have not been in many many years. So what does this make you? It makes me a fay, dear. Quite a powerful one in fact. Many under my advisement tend to prefer to call me granny bye.
1: Fascinating.
0: I am simply asking for you to come back in a ten-day, dear. By that point, you will either have accomplished what you wanted and stopped the Whispered Ones from accomplishing their goals, or more likely, you will be dead. I'll come back to see you. Her hand still out. A ten-day, dear.
1: Remind me. The only other thing this is binding me to is coming to you in a 10-day.
0: Nothing more. You come back, and we talk after a 10-day. As part of this deal, I will allow you to go and research creatures the likes of which the good mortals on the material plane have never seen before, but may be seeing a lot more of soon.
1: I'll, uh, I'll deal with that part when we get to it but yes i'll see you then and he shakes her hand
0: again you feel a slight chill run through your body as you clasp her hand and as soon as the chill fades she lets go well the final thing i would like if you're willing to do so is i would just like to borrow your magnifying glass
1: what need would you have of a magnifying glass
0: I am intrigued by it, dear. <laughs>
1: Perhaps the hardest deal of all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I said borrow, not keep. I want to simply see it, and I will give it back to you.
1: He'll extend it out to her.
0: She holds a hand, and takes it. Almost again, immediately as she does... The chill runs into your fingertips as you let go of the magnifying glass. And she holds it up, seems to examine it without actually looking at it, turns it in her fingers, kind of feels it in her hands, and then hands it back towards you.
1: Whether it be Investigation or Arcana, he'd like to see if anything has changed
0: in that magnifying glass. Investigation. 17... Okay. Based off of your own understanding of the arcane and all that, you watched her study it. She was studying it very closely. She was trying to get like a feel for it, get its exact shape and, and understand its size and weight. She was trying to understand everything about it. And you get the impression that she was just really trying to commit this to memory, but she left nothing on it.
1: Then, why the chill just for handing it to her. Doesn't seem like it was even a deal made, just a simple exchange of items. Are you asking that out loud? I'm more amusing as a player, but yes. Uh-huh. Uh, sure, yes, that was in my voice.
0: <laughs> Dear, a chill is always, when anything, even as simple as... I agree to give you back this magnifying glass in exchange for allowing me to borrow it for a moment. The slightest agreement, dear, is a deal. That's why the chill. And at this, you see a mischievous smile on her face as, by this point, the very idea that anything Tor might agree to in this place will potentially have repercussions.
1: So he has the magnifying glass back now, and he starts to slowly step away.
0: Dear, I told you I asked for a few things. And her hand goes out and touches the stack of papers that is your research. And as it does, the runes flash and fizzle and pop and begin to disappear from the page as her hand comes to the top. And as she pulls it away, you can see a swirling amount of colors and lights pull from the pages and into her hand and vanish as the pages just rest normally. And she says, As soon as you touch your research, your memories will be restored, dear.
1: He just puts his, his hand to his chin for a moment, his beard, just stroking it with the thumb a bit, like, Oh, What? What have we done? He'll go up to the papers again, and he'll uh, he'll make contact with them.
0: Okay. As you touch them, you feel almost like a weight leave your body, a weight you didn't even realize was there. You feel a lightness to you as something seems to leave, and as it does, a flash of images comes to your mind. You recall your research again. You recall studying Darakul and studying what they could do. You would occasionally take some alive, which was frowned upon by members of your clan. But at the time, you felt this was the only way to truly understand what they were capable of. And as you studied them, as you investigated these creatures, this Darakul, as you realized the word came to you because that's how they referred to themselves after one of the live ones that you had been able to capture screamed at you, you realized they could not have created the gates that brought them here. They don't have the ability to do so. Which began to lead you down a path in finding, well, then if they can't do it, if nothing that has come through the gates has the ability to travel into our world, how did they do it? And you're filling out the research, you recall all of this, and you recall that there must be something else Someone else is pulling all these cool and allowing them to come into the world. And that was what you were going to present to the elders. That's what you were going to present to the council. But before you could, you recall when you touched the pages last, you just seemed to, in your memory, jump from when you touched your pages before the meeting to being at the meeting. And being there, you were so angry and you couldn't explain it. The anger just welled up all throughout you and just built and built and you couldn't control yourself almost. And you recall now looking back on it that when you touch the pages, it's as if a spell from the document itself filled you with anger for everyone around you. And looking back at everything, you you now know you weren't banished. Because your research was stolen. That was a part of it. You were banished because of what this spell made you do. This spell caused you to lash out at everyone. And because of that, because of the fact that you were lashing out and you were considered a threat to your people, when the spell finally wore off was when you were banished. And you now realize that that was its whole purpose. The spell held you and could keep you away from the Thessun kingdom. Because while you were there, it activated this this magic inside you that angered you, that built on a rage that you really didn't have, but you exhibited and you attacked anyone. And you were considered a threat by your people because of it. And that is why they banished you. And this rage and this guilt over something you couldn't fully explain or understand or even, even remember caused you also to stay away from your people, at least With the the mindset that if you could at least find your real research, maybe then you could redeem yourself. And as all this happens, you almost seem to know instinctively that the magic within you that had activated that rage is gone. That at this point, you can return home whenever you wish.
1: His knees kind of grow shaky. A bit, and he actually has to sit down in that chair that he's been standing beside. And he's just kind of staring down into his lap, whispering things like, No, I didn't do that. Almost questioning.
0: Dear, I wanted to simply show you before you came here that memories cannot be trusted. Memories can be manipulated, and by removing this... You can see how easily that can happen. You look up and kind of see, at the edge of the table, where right by where you're sitting, that teacup that had disappeared a moment ago is back, filled with tea. I'm not your enemy, Tor. Not this time. I will look out for myself. But in this case, I am helping you. As long
1: as it suits you.
0: It suits me... Quite greatly, if you were to deal with Raleon.
1: That is the deal we made.
0: Indeed. Yet, I still wonder, why do you need me? Because, as I was an intermediary for the Whispered Ones, I don't tend to like to do things myself if I don't need to. That is how I have lived as long as I have. Little Tor.
1: Does he get a sense of how long a powerful Fae's lifespan
0: would be? Make an Arcana check. Two on the die, so eight. Not sure. As Fae are immensely rare as it is in the world, it's hard to tell. You do know Elves have a Fae ancestry, and they live for centuries.
1: Got it. Wow. After a few moments, he does gain the strength to stand. Is... Is there anything else? And his voice is a little weak
0: right now. Time doesn't work the same way here in the Feywild, Tor.
1: I see. So, I'll be back and...
0: Almost no time will have passed. Time here moves... Differently... Not necessarily faster. You could be here a day, and a year may have passed. You could be here a week, and ten minutes may have passed. I have some degree of control over this, so that when you step out of my door, you'll return at a time and in an area that will be more beneficial to you than simply walking out and everything having already been resolved. Thank you. Every little bit helps, Tor. I can't predict the future. I don't know what will happen on your plane. But I prefer to have a few more pieces on my side than not.
1: Okay, a shiver. He He uh, He fights back that shiver. <laughs> oh, Oh man, what have we done? Alright, I'll be going now if there's nothing else.
0: I have told you what the deals I wish to make. You have made the deals that you intend to honor now. I have nothing else at the moment. You are free to go, Tor.
1: By the way, he is dead, right?
0: Yes, Tor. The Oni that pretended to be the dwarf Trabon Strachelm is dead.
1: Was that the real Trabon? That I, that I saw today?
0: No. I knew him well. I knew that guy's well. I knew what happens when a thief comes face to face with someone whose life they ruined. I allowed the illusion to act appropriately.
1: He'll go through the door without another
0: word unless something stops him. You start to step to the door and with a slight peek over your shoulder, Bai is just rocking in her chair again, but you see Firo now standing on the little table with the tea that was for you in hand. And he's just sipping some himself as you open the door and step out. And that is where we'll leave this episode for today.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Remember to follow us on Twitter at RulesIsWritten. Our podcast is available on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Join us next time, dear listeners, right here in Orenthal. See ya.